Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you from Carrie Hilson, Adonis. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-chorus, and then a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's what I, it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public, the list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Has Dr. Luke been uncanceled? And Indie Angel Investors. You're listening to The Biz Tape. Welcome to episode 56 of the Biz Tape, your all things music, business, and media podcast. I'm your host, Colin, with my lovely co-host, Joe. Joe, how are we doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Colin, because we had the best, one of the most iconic weekends, I think, of uh, of our lives. I know, and now we're here on yeah. Monday. Or we, went to, we went to Babyland. Yeah, and <laughs> which if you don't know what that is, and you're like, what the fuck Have is baby? Have you ever wondered where the Cabbage Patch Kids are born? We went there. We went there. We saw one being born. Yeah, it was great. It was. It Did was, it was it life changing for you? Because I think it was. I think for it me. was life changing. Anyway, we got merch from there, so maybe we'll, I need to support <laughs> it on the show. I don't know why I'm not wearing it now. It needs to get washed. But ne- next episode, remind me, we will wear the Babyland merch. Yeah. Yeah, um, for no, sure. No sponsor, but I would really, I, dude. Can you imagine we had a Cabbage Patch Kids sponsor? Like, uh, I I don't know if I'd accept that sponsorship. Are you sure? To me. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little weird. I'm not gonna lie, it's a little culty. Yeah, it's, if you really think about it. Weird. Well, let me tell you, if you think it's a good idea, hit us up on our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at the Biz Tape and let us know. I will pursue it. I will find the email and just do the quest for Babyland. Yeah, in the and comments. If, if you're from uh, the Cabbage Patch Kid Corporation, you can email the Biz Tape Podcast at gmail dot com. Uh, we take any business inquiries over there and also fun questions from fans. So we do like it. Also, last thing, if you want to support the show, please be sure to download the show wherever you're mm-hmm. listening. 
Um, but most importantly, we need that Cabbage Patch Kid sponsorship. So that's secondary. The download is secondary. We'd, please contact at the biz tape cabbage patch kids <laughs> you're desperate for this cabbage I want, it, I want it so bad dude if they like imagine if they sent us the cat if you don't know but what cabbage like, patch kids are they're like baby dolls and they're that are terrifying really, yeah and so what if they sent us their own custom cabbage patch kid doll like for both of us yeah i'd rather build a bear oh <laughs> yeah us, right give us a sponsorship <laughs> Ooh, where I said, so whoever gets it first build a bear or cabbage patch kids it's hit gonna us be up. a betting war yeah <laughs> i'm sure very high on the list of those two corporations is the biz tape anyway let's talk about the first thing which is my topic which involves fundraising in the indie scene Ooh. um so i asked basically a lot of our fans over on instagram like what do you think about all these investment firms and you know, bigger companies coming into the music space, is it good or is it bad? And about 60% of them said it was bad and 40% said it good. So it's kind of divided. So obviously I thought, well, I could show you, you know, the really big stuff where it's like these things we've talked about before, this company is going public or this giant mega investment firm is buying up all these other things. But I wanted to talk about something that seems a little bit more on the good side and see what you think, because I definitely think it's an interesting business model that is kind of developing. So according to Billboard, there seems to be a new type of investment in indie artists that is a lot more lax than the many deals we have ever seen before, in my opinion. Companies like Indify, Beatbread, and Cash App's Cash App Studios (laughs) have materialized offering funding and advances to independent artists without asking for ownership of intellectual property in return, which is the fundamental relationship between an artist and a record label 90% of the time. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's definitely very strange. The companies allow artists, this is even crazier to mostly use funding that's given to them by these companies at their own discretion. Although these companies, unlike a label or a distributor, don't have any like label type services. So it's not like, oh, we have our marketing department. We have our, you know, more of a artist development, but they have none of that. They just basically go, hey, you know, you're doing great. We don't want to mess that up, but we want to give you some money to help you out. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are saying it's kind of close to what an angel investor is which is basically, you know, an investor that comes out of nowhere and saves you and gives you the money you desperately need, which Joe, you could probably expand on this is about how much production and all that kind of crap for (laughs) artists and not crap, but like, it feels like crap when you're paying for it Yeah, is like, you know, music videos, thousand dollar budgets you have to go through. And yeah, it's, it's a lot. And especially in video world, it gets very expensive, very quickly. Well, I mentioned to so. you, like I, we listened to another podcast called Trillionaire Mindset and Noel Miller was talking about his music video and it was $70,000 and he was like, yep. And it was just gone. Mm-hmm. And he literally was like, it's kind of a bad investment because only eighth of my audience watched it, you know, and yeah. that's the scary part about it is. Well, so, and what's, what's e- even scarier too is like, uh, when you are in the throes of making that choice, that investment choice of like, me as an artist, do I need a full length music video? You know what I mean? Like, right. am I to that level to where people are going to making those calls? So that's why this yeah. label service thing is kind of strange to give this money out to people. But here's the deal. You might think, how is this? What, what is the catch in all this? 
In an ideal scenario, this is a quote, investments will be recouped and then some with investors owning, earning a percent, percentage of artist streaming royalties. Mm-hmm. Though not every independent artist will qualify for funding, the startups use data-driven insights to find artists gaining traction organically. But they can use the extra money for, you know, pushing that kind of, you know, if they're on the come up there, that's who they're looking for. These artists that are blowing up by themselves. Yeah. And it's like, well, we'll give you a little money and then we'll get a little bit of a cut. Cause we think this will be a great investment, which is really strange to see because most of the time the collateral for record labels, again, is your masters mm-hmm. or, you know, if it's your management, it's even more ironclad kind of stuff. And it's really hard to get a loan from a, from a bank if you were yeah. like you can't go in there and be like can i have forty thousand dollars for this music video and you're like sir this <laughs> is a sun trust like <laughs> so let me go through like some of the ones that i listed they're a little different from each one indify requires artists to control their masters and investors cannot earn over 50 percent of the artist streaming profits post recruitment very important word there mm-hmm. and the artist must retain creative control And that's just insane. But again, post recoupment. So they're getting their money first. It's not all, you know, rainbows. Indify, though, is very selective compared to a lot of others is what I was reading about. So some of them are more lax. The other more lax one is Beatbread, which Beatbread is a more open platform than Indify and is typically willing to fund artists with over 10,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. And artists design their own deals based on parameters like term length, capital need, and share of the catalog and or future release royalties from streaming. Very much like if you went into a bank and asked for a loan. Then the proposed deal, which can range from $1,000 to a million, is reviewed by the B-Bread team and then verified. Hmm. Which seems super straightforward compared to a lot of like, you know, the what is that Jim Gaffigan joke? It's like, how many lawyers do I need to tell you that I will owe you money for the rest of my life? (laughs) Like that's mostly record deals, but this seems a little bit more straightforward, but they don't want you to be confused because they are not a record label. Matthew Tilly, head of the artists and industry relations for beat bread said, quote, we don't see ourselves as replacing labels. And then this sounds really sketchy, but I think it's supposed to be endearing. We're just giving them options. Yeah. (laughs) Just, you know, giving them options. Yeah, which is like, yeah, I, it's I, like the loan shark right. if I've ever. I've never messed with this company or whatever, but like it does sound like a loan shark where it's like Tony gives you options. <laughs> Tony in the back alley, uh, it has the beat bread sign. <laughs> Be sure to go back there and uh, yeah, don't don't tell anybody. <laughs> right, and so I think this is an. It's obviously like that's who you're usually would deal with if you needed a loan for your music most of the time, or Mm -hmm. you're going to a label and being like, I'm signing my life away and all of my music forever, which is definitely super difficult to deal with. I mean, we've talked about on the show, especially with Taylor, you know, saying now that she's owning her masters and re-recording it, Taylor Swift. I mean, it, it, it's just kind of normal to be like, you're losing all of that ownership. Yeah. So to see this is interesting to me from a perspective because the entire time I'm like, where is the catch? Mm-hmm. But the catch is obviously, you know, they're getting their post recouped money before you're getting paid, you know, over 50% post recoupment. Very important words will destroy you if you do not see that in your contract properly. Yeah. But it's still way better 
than a lot of record labels who own it and then also do all this recoupment stuff to you. Well, I think too, this is like, this is something that a lot of uh, smaller artists should consider as like a stepping stone situation as opposed to like a long term. So you're um, saying like, oh, I can do this and so I can get enough notoriety and maybe get a record deal? As yeah. A, okay. Because at the end of the day, a lot of like, you know, this is amazing for like an artist starting out that's able to have another income stream for sure. But I, I do feel like you are going to get to that level where it, where it's like you're outgrowing this almost and you, you need to make the step up to like a label uh, in order to like get the full extent of your your masters out there. It's right? all about where you're going as opposed to where you are. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, th- these companies, it seems like a great idea, especially for indie artists. Like I'm down for any help with indie artists, but I'm sure, you know, they're not making million dollar marketing uh deals i mean with that's amazon their, you right. know or something like that where it's like that's, that's their where, hope is that you know and honestly that's why i think it's akin to angel investors is they think there's a chance and like not to go back to tiktok like we always do but tiktok has done a huge amount for exposure in terms of like having that randomness factor to it yeah so i feel like a lot of these companies are just like Let's give them a thousand dollars. Let's see. There's a chance that we're going to take like I don't know twenty, thirty percent of that royalty, and if it blows up on TikTok, for instance, that's going to be way more than a thousand dollars. Yeah, you know. and, and I mean that shows too just how much A and R has changed in the industry over. I mean, literally since TikTok has been created, right? I mean, I mean it's people blow up so fast now and overnight. A lot of the time, at least a lot of the stories that so we've that's, seen. that's not always the case, but that's the scary part about this that I think you, you just hit on is like you blow up overnight, but then let's say, but if, then you got to make that decision the next day. You have to keep going. You know yeah. what I mean? That they always say that the second song or the second album is the one that really, you know, makes the test for an artist. Mm-hmm. So I feel like a lot of these companies might be going like, let's invest in the one hit wonders and then legally you know, cause it's not a record label where it's like, well, we have six options we have to go through now. And, uh, you know, at minimum, obviously options, meaning that we can choose to, you know, get six albums out of you. But most of the time when you sign a deal, first off, there's a term limit in the beginning. So I think these guys are kind of cutting the slack here where they might be like, well, we have more versatility on our end. And then we don't have to support an artist that may not be going anywhere for another year or two and then say, no, we're not taking your option. Mm-hmm. So I feel like maybe that's part of it is like they're going for those, you know, one-offs, those little people, you know what I mean? In that way, I definitely think that it shows a difference in how the music industry and going back to bigger businesses is uh, bigger businesses are viewing the music industry. Mm-hmm. I thought this for a very long time and I've kind of talked about it, especially when we talked about Twitch. I do think the music industry right now is undervalued in terms of, there are a lot of rights that I believe a lot of tech companies are just ignoring and just being like, shove it because this is your exposure platform and yeah. whatever. And these music companies, like we've seen negotiating with Twitch and all and TikTok, are getting tired of it. So I feel like we're seeing, you know, the full scale of that revaluation of music that maybe started as early back as when Napster devalued it again. Yeah. So I feel like there's a lot of these rights that all these companies and investment firms are seeing and they go legally, we have the right to get this money. There's just this weird, you know, system we're playing right now between these tech companies where it's like, 
you scratch our back, we'll scratch your back in terms of, well, you might have a couple copyright things here that are a little weird, but you gave us a lot of exposure and a lot of streams. I'm waiting for that turn over time where they're like, we're not letting you get away with this. You're going to have to sign these, you know, multi-million dollar deals with the publishing wings of all these things mm-hmm. or the, you know, regular record labels to get these songs. And that's why I think there's a bunch of new investors in here. Other yeah. than, I mean, it can get messy really fast. Right. A hundred percent. And I, I would expect that a lot of um, publishers are probably concerned over this and just kind of how, how the business is going to be run maybe five years down the line if, if this becomes popular, a popular I, I think it's artists. going to be, I, I, I think it would be a nice middleman is what you were saying basically for a lot of these young artists Yeah, to have the ability to be like, huh, it didn't work. You know, we funded your project and it didn't work out. So we're not going to fund it again. And you don't owe us, you know, thousands of dollars or your life, you know, in another yeah. album. So we're just going to cut it. I feel like that's nice in general, mm-hmm. but I definitely feel like there's two sides to this coin. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, it can change. Like, at, depending on the popularity and like how how much rights each company wants to take out of a song. Well, it you seems I mean? like they're being nicer because they know how many people are anti going to a record label. Yeah, and I completely agree with that. My my concern is more of this possibility that they could be using you just for like let, let's say you had a little song you know you put it out there on tiktok it becomes like one of those dance craze songs that goes crazy and the way that you did that to even record it is like one of these companies funded your recording of it mm-hmm. and so they're entitled to 20 and 30 percent well what if the next song you put out doesn't work as well the record label in that case has a financial, like if we said you had a record deal instead of these angel investors, has a financial incentive to keep you working and to make you popular, i.e. invest in your career. Yeah. These people do not, unless yeah. you have a deal with them specifically for the next thing. So it's all on you. Right. So To like, pop you off. And so that drop-off point, you know, with a record label, you have a drop-off point every couple of years which can be devastating because if you're locked in and want to get out, it's like tough shit. But in this case, if you're doing these smaller deals over and over and over, it's like you got to deal with this every couple months Mm -hmm. and it's insanely stressful for people just to do it every three or four years. So that's the part I'm worrying about is, you know, if these companies obviously are going to do this, what is their negotiation strategy? Do they get, I hope they give more leeway you know what I mean? In terms of, well, your last single did pretty well. So how about this? We'll give you a longer term length and we'll give you some more money and maybe we'll lower the percentage we're taking because we think you're going to have a bigger song anyway. So we'll make back the money that we lowered the percentage on, but there's no way to tell. And then also all of this is based off, you know, all this data that they're doing. Yeah. So is it data like, Oh, I'm sorry. Like what we joke about all the time, you have 999,000 TikTok followers. We only give the million dollar loans to a million TikTok followers. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I'm wondering where those leeways are too. So I think it's a good thing overall. I'm not going to poo poo it all the way, but I definitely think that I've seen a lot of people kind of talk about this and I think they're a little bit too grass is green with it. So I'm just like, okay, there's a positive and a negative here, mm-hmm. but definitely better than, Definitely better to have options 
as opposed to only sell your soul to a record label. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do, I do think people do just innately think that big business isn't in the music industry and it has been for years. Right. You know, and that's something that a lot of people don't understand is like, especially in the touring industry, like, you know, there's, there's a ton of money that has to get fundraised basically to get these stages built, to get these shows, put tour on support, tour support, hundred percent. And a lot of that comes from brand sponsorships. I mean, that's why you see, you know, a lot of people getting sponsored by Bud Light on their tours. Post Malone's like, a great example of that. Exactly. One. You know, like he's, well, he's, he's jumping not only into the celebrity commercial aspect of that, but like also, you know, his whole tour being sponsored by Bud Light. Right. Right. Bud Light's a humongous company. And like there, there are huge companies like Bud Light and a lot of like other like kind of genres of, of business that are, have jumped into the music industry because they know that's where a particular demographic lives. Right. Right. But, um, I think a lot of people do kind of tend to view the music industry as this like untapped Valley of like mystical, like this, this is where all the fuzzy feelings are and there's no business here. It's just right. Cause it's vibes. concrete. Yeah. It's just the vibe forest, but the vibe forest is, is on top of the the oil field of Bud Light, right. Budweiser, <laughs> the drums of it that they get out for free backstage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. that's perfect for that. I, I think that's a perfect analogy for it. There definitely is, but I just there has been an influx of it. And the other thing I want to mention before we go on, why I also think there's an influx of it, the economy was really bad. Yeah. So all the music stuff got super wrecked by it. Every mm-hmm. artist, everything like that. So they're gonna so, take. Any live nation. <laughs> I am still mad at myself. I'll put an asterisk on this. I am not a financial advisor, but this is just a personal story. Live nation was like $30 per stock. You know what it trades at now? A hundred because, because it was $30 <laughs> during the middle of the pandemic. And I literally went, you know what? I could buy it, but I was like, I'm not going to buy $30 shares. Mm-hmm. Fuck that. And then all of a sudden now it's a hundred dollars. So like, that's a good, you know, I feel like Live Nation is a great, great way to look at the health of the touring industry, especially their stocks. Yeah, I mean, because so, it's the biggest promoter. Right. So, like, that's an example of what I also think you have to think more, less directly, but still huge. This affected all the record companies and all the artists is yeah. this giant, you know, tragedy that hit the world, which is the pandemic that stopped world economies. So, all of them went down and, oh, God, we really need this money. Sure, we'll sell you these rights for this much. Sure, we'll do this. Well, now we're back to the inflation part of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I definitely think at the end of the day, a deal's a deal, which means watch your ass. Watch your ass. Right. Colin said it here first. Elevate your summer with Osea's best selling body care set. It's everything you need for radiant summer skin on the go. Featuring travel sizes of Osea's clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral skincare, like their best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Right now, you can get the best-seller's body care set, a $78 value, 33% off. And use code SUMMER to save an additional 10%. That's an additional 10% off at OCEAMalibu.com code SUMMER. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. 
Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safty, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. 
In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safty, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hi there. I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. A lot of artists in general, people that are very creative, sometimes tend to overthink. That's one of my number one rules. Don't ever overthink. You can think ahead, but don't overthink. And what I mean by that is when they start to write a record, they're like, oh, that's not the line. Oh, that's not this. Oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark, more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, moving on, has Dr. Luke been uncanceled? Light news, everyone. Light, Light very light news. So... Just before we get into this, I just want to preference if you are triggered by, uh, you know, um, sexual assaults, uh, mm. any kind of violence um, against women, violence against women, stuff like that. I highly recommend skipping ahead. Um, but we're going to dive into kind of like what's been going on with Dr. Luke, because it seems like, I'll, you know, everyone knows kind of what happened with the Kesha incident. Right. But like nobody's really been paying attention to stuff now because it's been so long. It didn't seem like it had a, you know, a sound resolve of any sort. It just kind of faded. So yeah, I'm interested myself. Exactly. And unfortunately, there is no resolve. So I'm just going to spoil that right now. But anyone remotely interested in the recording industry knows about the rape allegations that pop star Kesha stated about famed pop producer Dr. Luke, whose real name is is uh, Lucas Sebastian Gottwald, which is a crazy fucking name, which is why he changed it to Dr. Luke. I see why the pseudonym was used. So, however, years and years have gone by since Kesha's first statements took the music industry into a whirlwind of media frenzy, and many people don't really know if the situation was ever resolved. Well, I can tell you it was not. But Dr. Luke's reign over the Billboard charts might not be as absent as you may think. So before talking about what he's been up to since the lawsuits, let's dive into the timeline of the Kesha situation. According to Vulture, which side note, I I really want to recommend this article, which we'll link in the bio. But I recommend diving into the full article because it really does lay out like the whole thing of the Kesha lawsuits and everything that that is basically going on with it. Um, So you're going to go chronologically through this. So I'm going chronologically through the whole thing, like like even to when Kesha first met. Okay, Dr. good. Luke, I, don't, I don't know everything. I'm sure there's some people that have forgotten. So let's start at the beginning. Yeah. Joe, what was the first thing? So this is pre-lawsuit. So it's September 2005. Kesha is signed to a six-album deal and convinced by Dr. Luke to move to Nash uh, from Nashville to L.A. 
And then, according to Kesha, she and Luke attended Nikki Hilton's birthday party, which is Paris Hilton's sister, okay. uh, at her Hollywood Hills home. And while at the party, Luke gave Kesha a date rate drug called GHB, which he allegedly described it to her as, quote, sober pills, took her back to his hotel room and, quote, raped her while she was unconscious. So according to statements made by Kesha's mother, Kesha called her the next afternoon after blacking out and said, quote, Mom, I don't know where I am. I think we had sex. I'm sore and sick. I don't know where my clothes are. I think I need to go to the hospital. But Kesha didn't end up going to the hospital. And in a later affidavit, uh, Phoebe, her mother, said that she just told uh, her uh, quote, Mom, I just want to sing. I don't we. I, I don't want to be a rape case victim. I just want to get my music out. End quote. So years go by, and in 2009, Kesha releases TikTok, which spends nine weeks at number one. No relation. Yeah, <laughs> no relation to the actual TikTok, which yeah. I'm actually surprised they haven't t- taken that song and like, like synced it to some sort of commercial with TikTok. That would be genius. Probably. But, yeah. Um, but anyways, I also want to point out too. Uh, to anybody thinking like why wouldn't Kesha go to the hospital and stuff like that? Um, apparently, I didn't. I didn't really know this. Rape kits weren't really a thing in two thousand five. Like it, it I, I think the technology was being developed right, and the testing kits were being. Developed I think they weren't the time, as widespread, but they weren't as widespread. Yeah. It, like the education for it was definitely not known yet. Right, people didn't understand. They weren't trained. To use yeah, them. but like the main thing was like getting people to uh, take down statements, like police and like right, and, and then stuff like that. Obviously, she's starting her music career, so she feels the pressure from every you know society from everything, in general not you know, to do it at all. Exactly. So years go by. She releases TikTok. Uh, the following year, she is sued by her management company, DAS, for $14 million in unpaid commissions, as well as suing, as well as them suing Dr. Luke for $12 million for allegedly interfering in their partnership after Kesha fired her manager. So basically, that whole situation was Dr. Luke convinced Kesha to leave uh, her manager. Yeah, um, allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly, yeah, at that point. Um, and that's why they sued. Yeah. Uh, arguably right after she had a big hit. Now all of a sudden we're going to throw all these big numbers around. I'd like to say, but whatever. But in 2011, it is alleged that Kesha alerted people involved in her career and personal life as early as 2005, that Dr. Luke had quote engaged in certain unethical and unlawful actions against her and that she did not want Gottwald to be part of her career going forward. End quote. However, during a deposition for the DAS case, she testified that Quote, Dr. Luke never made sexual advances at me or gave her drugs to force her uh, or force her to have sex, is what she testified. Later, lawyers for Kesha argued that Luke, quote, threatened her safety and likelihood during this deposition. Jesus Christ. So in 2012, Kesha and Luke, Luke's relationship was strained, according to New Yorker profile, on which uh, a New Yorker profile on Luke, basically. Uh, saying that she wanted to go to rock, but Luke wanted her to stay in the pop realm. And during this time, Kesha also tweeted and then deleted later that she was, quote, forced to sing the lyrics on Die Young, which faced a lot of backlash after the Newtown Massacre. 
So later she told Rolling Stone that she didn't have any creative control over her music. So she sang this song that was very insensitive to a tragedy. Yeah, it like came out around the time of the Newtown massacre and the timing of it was just very poor. Yeah, and she seems like and she said she was forced to sing it by Dr. Luke, which obviously Dr. Luke, the piece of shit that he is or alleged piece of shit that he is. uh, God, just it's we're not even like close to the end, too. Yeah, no, it's a it's honestly pretty uh, insane the whole way through. So 2014 rolls around uh, and Kesha was checked into a Chicago rehab center for an eating disorder. And uh, the same year she filed an explosive lawsuit against Dr. Luke in California, claiming sexual assault and battery, including an incident, including the incident in the Nikki uh, Hilton party and another where he quote, violently thrashed his arms at her, which led her to run barefoot down the Pacific coast highway to escape. The lawsuit included accusations that Luke had been emotionally and phys- uh, psychologically abusive uh, involving Kesha's weight. So there was like, like things thrown around. Like there was an email that came out later that she, she posted that like Luke's like team basically stated that was like taken out of context, but I don't know how you could take this out of context. It was basically like Kesha, you know, like people aren't going to play Kesha's songs basically because she's too fat is basically like what it said. Wow. You know, like they were worried about her weight is like what, what he said. Now, obviously, I'm I'm very much condensing that words. You can read everything in the the stuff that we've linked. But uh, later that uh, in 2014, Luke then countersues in New York against Kesha, her mom and manager for defamation. He then files a separate defamation lawsuit in Tennessee, where Kesha's mom lives. So at this point, Luke is like just suing fucking everybody, uh, and not only suing everybody, he's suing in multiple states. Uh, in order to win something, basically, and also to silence these people, it's believe, it's to too. silence people, and also to to at least allegedly to silence people, right, or whatever, but to also just you know, kind of, um, I think it's it's a strategy of like, there's so much, how are they going to be able to keep up with it? And if you don't know, I mean, Doctor Luke is valued. In the millions of dollars. He's produced many of the hits that you know and love from the early 2000s. Yeah. And so, like, and even some of the hits you may know today, uh, which we'll get into later. But uh, he countersues, and then in 2016, Luke's defamation lawsuit against Kesha's mom and manager were dismissed due to lack of jurisdiction. Um, And then in February, Kesha is denied a... preliminary injunction to be released from her recording contract by a New York City judge with the judge's statement saying, quote, there is no showing of irreparable harm, end quote, and notes that Sony and Luke have permitted Kesha to record new music. At this point, Kesha loops Sony into these lawsuits, basically. She goes after Sony, stating that they knew about what was going on, yet they covered some of this shit up. Um, And so they're roped into it, but uh, for for many years, uh, they've kind of stayed on the sidelines of it a little bit, being like, oh, no, we're not involved. This is under Luke's umbrella, which we're, we're the umbrella over his umbrella, right? We don't really know right, we're hiring what's going his on. his company or yeah, something like that. Yeah, which to so. me is a little, mm, a little strange, being as he's a multi-million dollar producer that has made Sony millions and millions and millions of dollars. But uh, anyways, afterwards, outdoors, uh, out, like... Afterwards, 
like waves of support came from celebrities such as Lady Gaga, Jack Antonoff, and Taylor Swift, who uh, Taylor Swift donated $250,000 to help with her legal bills at that time. I, I remember that time specifically. We were in college at that point. It was a big, big story. Huge going story going around. And there was a bunch of tea that came out of like text messages and emails. Yeah, this was the first time, that was the first time that this really had become public knowledge as opposed to just kind of rumors and like, oh, I heard Kesha's thing is weird or something. Like yeah. now it was like, okay, we're out in the open. Yeah, and, and a lot of people might not know this, but like Free Britney has been around for a minute, but like Free Kesha was around during this point too of like, it, I, I always argue it was more, it. yeah, it was more popular. Uh, during this this point, because she it was so public at this at this time, but uh, April sixth, uh, twenty sixteen rolls around, and a New York judge throws out Kesha's counterclaim of abuse against Dr. Luke, and that she is acting quote unreasonably, and that quote every rape is not a gender motivated hate crime in quote. Jesus Christ! Uh, but Why judge, I would like to point out that uh, it's still a crime. It's still a crime, though. I don't, and I don't know, I don't know what what gender motivation has anything to do with it, right? Of course, like that has literally nothing to do with it. But um, moving on, August first rolls around, and Kesha drops her California lawsuit against Dr. Luke and delivers a 28, 28 songs to the label, which she stated she financed herself. And in 2017, Dr. Luke sues Kesha for defamation over a text she sent to Lady Gaga. And in this text, she basically talked about how a big artist uh, was raped by him. She was told was raped by him uh, from another executive. Um, and it, it actually later came out that the artist she was talking about was, um, was Katy Perry. And uh, Katy Perry has since denounced that anything has gone on between her and Dr. Luke, uh, and that it was basically all made up. Um, and that she actually had to come in to testify, um, but a lot of stuff is sealed in in a lot of the, uh, in, her, in Katy Perry's right, case. Right, in the privacy of... Yeah, them. and uh, it is kind of a wishy-washy situation of like, he said, she said in that, in that situation. Um, and then at the time, they both talked about Lady Gaga and Kesha both said that, Dr. Luke was a dick, basically, in the text messages. So that was not that was a big thing at the time. Um, but he uh, he sues Kesha over defamation. The judge re- the judge rejects Kesha's amended countersuit, and uh, in which she sought for freedom of a record deal uh, for a third time. And then in 2018, Kesha is told that she cannot make any further appeals to be released from her contract uh, in. Uh, in a court case pertaining to Dr. Luke's defamation lawsuit. At this point, you're probably confused uh, because there's been like fucking like five lawsuits that we have just talked about. And uh, let me tell you, they're still going on. There's so many lawsuits happening. So Gaga defend in 2019, Gaga defended uh, Kesha in the legal battle with Dr. Luke by testifying and recounting how she first met Kesha, who was in the back room of Dr. Luke's studio with only underwear on at the time. Meanwhile, at the time, I think she was like very young. I think she was like just 18 or 19 right. when, when, uh, when Gaga met her. 
And in 2020, Manhattan Supreme Court Justice Jennifer uh, Schechter rules that Kesha defamed Dr. Luke in the text exchange with Lady Gaga. And the judge said that Lady Gaga is sufficient to impose liability and that Kesha needed to pay Dr. Luke $373,000 in royalties. And in 2021, Kesha's lawyer filed papers in Manhattan Supreme Court arguing that New York's anti-slap law should be applied to her case. But then a New York appellate court upholds a lower court ruling from 2020 that Dr. Luke is not a public figure and, quote, is at minimum a limited purpose public figure, end quote. And the court also affirms that Kesha's text to Lady Gaga was defamatory, was a defamatory statement and that Kesha should be held liable. Both are still in fierce legal battles, however, and recently Dr. Luke stated that he wanted to tell the jury that the allegations cost him $46 million in lost business opportunities, according to his paid expert, who calculated his annual income and damages. However, Kesha's expert, who was testifying, said that Dr. Luke's career had been uh, stained from even before Kesha's allegations, and that Luke's expert wasn't taking that into account. Either way, Luke has rubbed a lot of people in the industry the wrong way, according to a Variety article that interviews many people talking about his newest work and what they think about the situation and him coming back into the music industry, essentially. So uh, first quote I'd like to point out is, quote, Luke's an asshole. Everyone knows it, says another top industry insider, quote, but I don't think he's a rapist, end quote. Quote, initially, you'd rather be safe than sorry, and I think everyone needed to take a breath until the facts came in, says another top label exec who has been working with Gottwald. I, uh, quote, I kind of wish he, he had stepped back a bit in terms of the media coverage. If criminal charges had been proven, it would have been a different story, but it's not like he's Harvey Weinstein. The exec continues... And at the end of the day, if a song is great and an artist is okay with it, it's not really my business to stand in the way. Luke was always a tough businessman, sometimes tougher than he needed to be, says Chris Anukut, a veteran A&R executive and head of Young Forever who has known and worked with Luke for more than a decade. Quote, he didn't always know when to fold and never made it easy if you were on the other side of negotiation. But personally, he was always a great friend is in fact a very sensitive and vulnerable when you uh, when you know him, and sometimes makes you put a, sometimes business makes you put a mask on even if you don't recognize yourself sometimes. End quote. Uh, another guy said, "quote This guy's a genius," said vet- veteran artist manager Larry Rudolph, whose clients include Spears and Petraeus. Uh, "quote He's incredible at what he does and has always been. He got to into an ugly and unfortunate public situation with an artist." But it's not like his talent went away, end quote. So even though it seems the industry is tolerating Luke's presence again, he has come back into the spotlight under monikers and has developed uh, artists such as Doja Cat, who he signed, by the way, he signed Doja Cat and produced Say So under the name Tyson Tracks. One of the worst fucking names I've ever heard. Pretty bad. (laughs) Tyson Tracks. Luke, really? T R A X. Okay, sorry. Any, anyways, I mean the his man's company, name is Doctor Luke. Come on. Yeah, Luke. yeah. But anyways, his company, Prescription Songs, has also won ASCAP's Indie Publisher of the Year crown three times since its founding, and has credit, credits on hits such as Dua Lipa's "Don't Start Now," new roles in Arizona Zervais's "Roxanne." So 
obviously Luke is not producing with all of the hot people all of the time, right? But right. the and fact I, that he had produced Say So, Doja Cat's biggest song, and one of Dr. Luke's biggest songs, he has made tons of fucking money. Well, and then from he has this song. company underneath him that he's getting all this publishing money from. Again, I also want to straight, like, obviously because this man has sued many times for defamation, This we're going off strictly this article. Like, it's not like we know... Where I'm not friends with Dr. Luke. I'm not friends with Kesha. So I want to put that out. But the evidence in this article is very... Is, is, it's, it's, is, pretty, it's pretty intense. Yeah. Like, and, it's pretty... It, like, obviously, it seems like, according to the rule of law, um, Kesha was in the wrong, and she has been... She has lost, basically, every single I, court yeah, case. I believe that completely. It's just one of those things where it seems like, to me... It, it seems a little suspect that he is going this hard. Well, it's that, I mean, obviously he at the, you know, when Kesha first started, he was the big producer of pop music. Like he was such a big deal. I mean, he's done songs like party in the USA. Uh, I kiss a girl by Katy Perry. Like that was kind of the era where he was just really like at the top of everything. Mm-hmm. So for him, if you know he sincerely believes he didn't do anything wrong and he's alleged to have done all of these things, then that's why he's suing, which I thought was kind of like the ridiculous nature of it. They were like, he's suing for 46 or wanted to say that he lost $46 million based mm-hmm. off all this, which I'm like, yeah, but here's the other thing. It's so hypothetical. It's hypothetical. And not only that, he's still making millions of dollars. Right. Exactly. Like, so, it's not like this guy is like, oh, man, I lost my job. I can't now. support my family. Which you know, if, you know, these alleged claims are all true. Then like, fuck them. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, and, and I'm not saying that like, you know, if these allegations were false or whatever, that anybody should be um, like, you know, taking someone down for false allegations. I don't think that's the case, no matter how wealthy you are. But I also do think there there's a little bit of weird shit happening. There is I get a weird, weird feeling when a judge says that rape is not just strictly a gendered thing. Yeah, you know, like was, I get a weird I feeling in my like stomach. Yeah, when when I hear that, and it uh, seems to me that this poor poor person Kesha has just been abused by the system in well, terms of you know wanting wanting to not sacrifice her career and having to literally, you know, take all of these terrible things that she alleges that happened to her in her life Mm -hmm. just because she doesn't want to mess up her career. And I, it's, it's so heartbreaking to see that because it just shows how systems in place like this are so systemic and cause, you know, abuse and violence to go unchecked. Mm -hmm. So that, that's what I'm saying is like, it's it's literally if you wanted a case of where could the music industry go wrong, it's what Kesh is saying here right now. Yeah, I, yeah, I I agree. And then also, you know, let's say, uh, which obviously it, it, there's not there, there's really no evidence of the rape happening. Like objectively, there's no evidence except Kesh's statement. Kesh's statement, right? Right. And the sad and, part is there could be maybe possibly could, because could, unless there was an entire system that literally was like you 
shouldn't do this. Yeah. But at the time it was 2005, there's not like cameras around everywhere. Right. There's not like, you know, a bunch of phone records that they can go back that long ago. Well, and then she did it so much. I mean, she started against him in that category about the rape later on, you know, a couple years mm-hmm. on and it, it sucks about and the legal system as the whole thing. I, I would also like to say too, at this point, Kesha's career was not as big as it was at the beginning of her career. And so a lot of people were taking that into account of, well, it was like, well, is this just a way of getting her getting in the headlines? Um, not saying that that is true in any ways, but that was definitely an argument. Right. In 2016, uh, in especially. 2016, especially. And, uh, especially with all the, all the quote evidence coming out of just like he said, she said stuff. Um, and a lot of, a lot of the, the text and the emails coming out were very redacted. There was like stuff missing and like, you know, things that like they had to actually pull the full context in the courts, which also might at that point show that, you know, this seemed like a fair record contract for her. She knew the risks going into it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but I do think it speaks a lot of words when you have people in your court saying you're a hard ass and you're an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like these people are like, def- like they're defending Dr. Luke coming back basically, but they're literally saying he's a dick. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a reason that two of them went on to have a, especially the second one you read where it says, I don't think he's Harvey Weinstein. I, there's a reason that that person wasn't directly quoted. Mm-hmm. And it's because in my opinion, they might believe they, they want the anonymity in case they're proven wrong yeah. in a court of law. And so, like, that's what I'm saying is it's to have this many people. And honestly, when they're talking about what, what did they call him at minimum, a limited person, public figure that makes it even more sus to me. Yeah, because to be honest, he's he's the he's one of the biggest producers. Right. But like, producers that's what ever. I'm saying is like if you are a person that personally believes the narrative that people will come after artists for their money and even make up allegations as serious as this. Mm-hmm. He is not, you know, the most famous person in the world. He has fame, but it's not crazy. So like for, for me, you know, if this was, let's say like a bigger, a way bigger artist, like someone who's actually in the forefront, you know, you might have some legs or something to try to go in that argument. But since he's, you know, a little bit less removed from the public eye, this really shows how much of a deal this is for so many people to come out and point to him because they have to literally pull this guy and be like, Hey, this person, you know what I, you see what I'm saying by that? He doesn't have just like the fame card where people are like, well, we'll come after you for your money. Like literally he's in the background most of the time. So that's, I think another inclusion on it again. I don't know. We don't know Dr. Luke, but it's definitely, it's definitely a very, at at worst, you know, a terrible, terrible string of abuse. And, you know, at best, a terrible, terrible producer and friend, supposed friend to Kesha. You know what I mean? Yeah. So well, like, what, I, what I think about a lot that I don't think people truly are, are looking at is, is her going to rehab for the eating disorder stuff. Because I, I, I think that's very telling because, you know, she's getting a lot of artist direction because Dr. Luke is very much in her life at that point, right? Like, he is her producer. 
he's the one giving her career advice, especially at the beginning of her career. Right. He's the one getting her to go to LA. He, you know? he was a, you know, a, he had a position of power over her. He, he was supposed to be the, uh, the, the, not the caretaker, but, um, what's it called where you, you look up to somebody, Mentor. Right. Mentor. He's yeah. supposed to be the mentor. Right. I but mean, he she's used, a new he, artist. And it seems like, like he abused that mentorship. Right. And a lot of these cases, especially in the music industry, which is kind of why I'm going into saying the systemic part of the system is that abuse of power is having power over someone, mm-hmm. you know, in that way. I mean, he's a very famous, I mean, at the time, especially when the alleged abuse started, he was on top of the world. He was making every number one song there was. This is a guy that, you know, if I was an artist walking in, it's like, this is a person that I want to be on my side. Yeah. And so with that, and if you were starting your new career, there's no way in hell I'm going to try to start, you know, some shit or whatever. And that's Especially where the, with the hottest producer around. Right. And that's the problem with this is that it's systemic. It's the system of it. It's like you are messing up this opportunity that you are lucky to be here for. Mm-hmm. And so that's what, you know, is not, you know, sometimes overtly said, I'm sure to Kesha, but also just implicitly implied to her. And that's probably why she, you know, didn't come forward with that other than all of the other terrible things that come with the guilt of having abuse like that. So I just think the thing is, is that Dr. Luke is in a place where he is trying to protect himself, but the damage honestly has been done a lot. And you know, who's really trying to protect themselves? Sony which is yeah. the thing that we're people also are not going over. Sony has a relationship with these two people and one of them is causing a stink probably in their eyes. And the other is the multi-million dollar key to getting multi-million dollar songs. There's a, there might be some, you know, power issues there. Oh, a hundred percent. So like, that's the other thing I actually saw well, too, which I mentioned to you. So apparently Sony has documents that the court finally said you have to reveal to us. Yeah. And so that's what I'm interested in because Sony can say, well, you know, Dr. Luke is a subcontractor. He was over at their studio doing all that stuff. And then they just deliver the masters to us. But if you get documentation about Sony and Sony representatives being closer to that fact, holy shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're, those people could be held liable for a bunch of things. And clearly these people are not above suing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a difficult situation and it, 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 like it shows a lot, like when you're going through these like multi-year legal battles, I mean, it is, it is taxing, which I'm sure is why Kesha dropped some of the suits is because it just, there's only so much you can do, especially if you're losing, you know, you're losing every single case. You're so fired up from, you know, to get the justice that is deserved to you that, society has told you this is not an okay thing to happen to people and society should be there to help you. Mm -hmm. And you've been told legally to your face, there's nothing we can do hundreds of times. Well, and too, I mean, it, it shows, it really shows how work culture in the music industry is innately different than any other industry. Like the, the, she, she, her team pointed out indentured servitude and I hate to admit it, a lot of record deals are like that. Right. And that's like, kind of what and we're that, talking and about. And that's the, the thing that I think is unhealthy and should not be necessarily. Why, thing. you know, and that's kind of the thing that I wonder is at the end of the day, 
especially from like, obviously I hope that none of this alleged things happened at all, but I hope why it didn't, but also did Sony, what the fuck was Sony doing? Yeah. Cause I feel like if she's going to the bellhorn, she's doing all this. Sony a, was get her the fuck away. Well, Sony B, was just actively, drop the contract. Sony was actively trying to stay out of stuff. Well, Sony's try, that that's not the point. The problem is, is that they're not, they're trying to stay out of and still make the money. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. If they said, Hey, we know this is fucked. Like, obviously it's just really destroying you and we're not, it really shows the, the inhumane part of giant corporations like this and the hive mind of it. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I totally think that they, that they have the power to release her from these contracts. Obviously she's going to have her own producing deal with Dr. Luke, but she can deal that in courts. But the idea that you're forcing this woman to make these records under duress, basically mm-hmm. because she's hot right now because everyone wants to support her because she's in the news is the most evil part of this business at work. Yeah. That's, that's what I honestly, other than the most overt allegations is the thing that you, and I feel like everyone should take out of this too, is how the system of support was not there at all. No, like, and that's the problem. And they even worse caused maybe even more alleged incidents to occur by forcing them to have to be together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's insane. I, I wish the best for Kesha. Um, and I hope that, uh, this can be ended and she can find some sort of solace. But you know, this is, I mean, personally it's, it's something that is so shaking to the core that it's going to hurt her mentally for the rest of her life. And I just can't imagine. I just feel so awful for her. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely one, another situation of just a pop star getting signed so young and getting taken advantage of. I, right, and that I position think. of power. Which yeah. is, I, I mean, it, okay, first off, six record deal, fuck that. That huge. is insane. We don't see that as often now. We don't because of how fucked it is. Right. And like that, that's, that's one of the things that's like, that record deal is shitty. That's a shitty record deal that she signed. Right. But and the problem she was is 18. They signed, you signed at 18. They went, don't worry, we're going to get you the best producer in the world, Dr. Luke, at the time. They're going to do that. No, it wasn't even that. It was Dr. Luke found her and signed her. It's even worse than it sounds like a targeting almost. It is. That's what it's even worse. So like, uh, and so like that we have Dr. Luke, you have everything to be successful and nobody thinks, oh, you're signed to a six album deal it's going to be six albums of hell in years. Mm-hmm. People sign up with these eyes of grandeur at 18 and go, I'm going to have six albums of being a mega star, which is just, you know, there's so many factors that aren't involved with you personally that affect that. Yeah. And it's, that's what it sucks about it. And you're right. And it's, you know, at the end of the day can be indentured servitude to an extent, mm-hmm. but that's sadly the nature of it. And thankfully from the first story we were talking about, it seems that people are kind of rebelling against that. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll, we'll just have to see how this develops. There's clearly probably even more years in the future of lawsuits between them about these, all these alleged claims back and forth. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a long one. I mean, it's same thing like we were talking about with Britney Spears. There's at the end of the day, it's kind of like there's no end. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, 
a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Wark, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. A lot of artists in general, people that are very creative, sometimes tend to overthink. That's one of my number one rules. Don't ever overthink. You can think ahead, but don't overthink. And what I mean by that is when they start to write a record, they're like, oh, that's not the line. Oh, that's not this. Oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark, more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. 
There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hi there. I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. A lot of artists in general, people that are very creative, sometimes tend to overthink. That's one of my number one rules. Don't ever overthink. You can think ahead, but don't overthink. And what I mean by that is when they start to write a record, they're like, oh, that's not the line. Oh, that's not this. Oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, um, Colin, what do we got next? Um, Let's let's talk about music. (laughs) (laughs) I know, it wasn't that funny. (laughs) I mean... uh, yeah, you know yeah. Let's show? talk about music you on the music podcast. You know what show you're on? Uh, yeah. Uh, no, let's talk about what we were listening to this week. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, well, I am. I've been kind of listening. Dude, all my over fucking the place. for you right now is cursed. Yeah. Oh, dude, dude. Uh, the the Black Star Kids album came out, and it is amazing. I this was a band I showed you. Are you really, and you're like, you had that, and all I saw on your Spotify screen was, dude, 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 Conan O'Brien podcast. <laughs> it comes out every week, okay, and I'm like, okay, what? Okay. that's a good I, podcast. I'm a, but I'm a team Coco stand. Okay, it's, I just thought it was here. funny, but uh, but dude, the Black Star Kids album, Puppies Forever, it is so fucking good. It's one of the best albums this year. Puppies, Forever. hands down. I'll, I'll link it to you because you're gonna like this. Why does Puppies Forever sound like a perfume? It, it really does, uh, but it, it's amazing. I, also, you know that guy. Um, well, tell me. I was t- talking t- to you about like that's uh, that's kind of the male Phoebe Bridgers. Okay, um, Met, he, that's a strong claim. Yeah, Let's see what it is. He he has an another project 
uh, called From Indian Lakes, uh, and he has an album dimly lit, and it's fucking awesome. That's and indie I, if I've ever seen it. It like was very indie. It's, yeah. it's very indie artwork, uh, but it's it's amazing. It's it's also another great record. What's the vibe? So. Is it like instrumental? Is it like it's so depressing? Okay, like so it's like really depressing. Uh, singer songwriter, but it, it is very much like indie band more than like singer songwriter, which which I like. I like really like the sound, but I also do think his newest project, uh, which is just called Joe Van, if you want to check it out, um, I think that project has more potential than than the From Indian Lakes project, but. I could totally be wrong. Who knows? But, uh, so yeah. my, my for you is curse. Now I'll, I'll read you what it is. Uh, take me home. Phil Collins art <laughs> angel by Grimes. You're having my oh baby my by Paul Anka and banana phone by Raffi. Yeah. The, the, cho- the, yeah! the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Hell yeah, dude. No, I, okay. So I, I'll fuck the other things off. Cause I, I sincerely tried to listen to Grimes. Like I sincerely yeah. did. I was like, I haven't been exposed. Obviously, I know. Like, if you know about Grimes, here's the three ways you know. She's the That's cringe the, lord. She, yeah, currently. she's the cringe lord. No, the three ways are. That was the girl that has Elon's baby. Mm-hmm. I love Grimes, and I will die for her. Or I know nothing about Grimes. Those are the three things where yeah. it's like. <laughs> so Grimes, I listen to, and like. First off, her music is just very all over the place. It's very, you know, synth poppy, but like very avant-garde synth pop is what I would call it. It's like, it's kind of, it's like a lot like Bjork, to be honest. It takes me back to a time, you know, like honestly, when I was listening to it, I listened to her breakout album Visions and I was like, this brings me back to a time where people would call me a hipster for listening (laughs) to this music. Like how many times have you have you been called a hipster in your life? Uh, I don't know. I mean, a little bit of it. I've, I'm definitely contrarian, uh, but yeah. I, I. But yeah. So like, Visions <laughs> was her big album, which you probably know, which is the reason why I want to go on it from TikTok, which is the uh, Oblivion song, mm-hmm. which is the which is every Grimes song. <laughs> anyway, so like that song fucking slaps. I don't care what anybody says, but the rest of the album is like. Okay, which I was reading, she did it entirely on GarageBand. Yeah, and then did it in three weeks in her apartment on amphetamines. Mm. Where one d- like the for, whole album or just that? Yeah, song? whole album. She did right. it for three weeks on there, and uh, she was on amphetamines for and was up awake for nine days. Oh which my god! Listening to the record, I was like, yeah, I could see why you were awake for nine days. That being awake that long changes your entire personality. Right, like, which if it, actually I want to go off another thing real quick. Pitchfork is hilarious to me because Pitchfork is, speaking of contrarian hipster, always has like, at the time, whatever new music is kind of hipster and kind of popular, they're like, this is the greatest song of all time. Mm-hmm. And the funniest thing about Pitchfork now is that it's old enough that you can look back and see what they said. So Pitchfork said that uh, that Oblivion song was, quote, the second best song of the decade. What? And it's the best album of the decade. What? Now, I don't think it's either of those. And I honestly, <laughs> it's not that it's bad. It's just like really all over the place. But that shows to me, like, if you want a good thing of Pitchfork. You like, just got to be like hot in the indie scene. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, the other song I like, which honestly, I like this album more, is from Art Angels, which is, <laughs> you'll love that album more. Art Angels? It does yeah. kind of look dope. It, it's, uh, it's, 
called a kill versus maim. Uh, but mm. it's pretty fucking good. Honestly, I'll go down on the record for this. That song kill versus maim. If you wanted to do like a deep dive into hyper pop, you could say it comes from that. Listen to that song. Now knowing what hyper pop is, she has like the perfect thing where, where it's like the lyrics are all over the place. It's this really thin voice. And then it's a mixture of that and screaming and like super hard kind of beats to I feel it. like death grips though is like really influential too. I mean, it is influential. I just think the thing with death grips is like compared to this is it's just more, it it's, it's more towards like lyric, not lyrically. I would say melodically, than death grips is, which is where I see it more towards hyper pop than death grips. Like obviously the rapping parts of hyper pop. Yeah. 100%. I can see the death grips influence, but like when I see the hooks of hyper pop songs, that's, I I feel like the Grimes is in there, you know? Uh, also you should, uh, definitely, um, Google, uh, Beyonce death grips for the funniest photo you'll ever see in your whole life. It It is, uh, Death Grips. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Beyonce Death Grips, Robert Pattinson? Is it with Robert Pattinson? Oh my God, it totally is. Oh my God. That is actually him. It's the best. Look at him. Look how far away he's standing from the group. Robert Pattinson surprise on Death Grips <laughs> album. That is so fucking funny. I think uh, when I was at the student station, we had that as like our screensaver. For like a it's while. such a weird hodgepodge <laughs> of people. What is this? It's the best thing ever. Oh my God. Oh wait, the album artwork's even better. Oh my <laughs> God. Yeah, you guys should look this up. Jesus Christ. I guess this is... I really wish there was like someone could Photoshop like the, you know, like the 21st birthday balloons and stuff like i want someone to photoshop one i want someone to take this album cover with robert pattinson in the middle and then to the harry potter death scene my boy my boy <laughs> guys thanks for listening to the biz tape your all things music business and media podcast i know i appreciate it joe do you appreciate it oh 100 and i appreciate you guys hitting that download button yeah it really it helps does, out the show yeah it helps us out a ton hey so fun please. fact even though this is selfish anyway if you download other people's podcasts, that also helps. Yeah, them it helps too. them too. So be sure to download your favorite podcast. And you know, it's okay if you download and delete. I'm not going to tell anybody. <laughs> you don't have to keep like episode 56 with you for the rest yeah, of your life. Yeah, unless you really want to. You could put it in a frame, you know, just like those the Spotify waveform frames. Have you oh seen my those? God, yeah. They're very trendy right now. Yeah, so take yeah. the end of that Robert Pattinson thing and just put it in a frame. <laughs> my boy. <laughs> my boy. <laughs> Elevate your summer with Osea's best-selling body care set. It's everything you need for radiant summer skin on the go. Featuring travel sizes of Osea's clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral skincare, like their best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Right now, you can get the best-seller's body care set, a $78 value, 33% off. And use code SUMMER to save an additional 10%. That's an additional 10% off at oceamalibu.com code SUMMER. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you from Carrie Hilson, Adonis. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-chorus, and then mm-hmm. a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's what I, it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. All right, come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the back seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council.